Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Imagine that yesterday you woke up and you go online to review your balance in your checking account. After working for two weeks, you get your automatic deposit from your employer like clockwork. However, when you go online, you see that the amount that was deposited has disappeared. It's gone. After you freak out because of all the bills you have to pay, you call the bank. They tell you the money's gone. You argue. You demand to talk to a supervisor. They have no answers. You get in the car to go down to the local branch down the road, and on the way you call your boss, who's still asleep, by the way, because it's Saturday, and he tells you to call payroll. So you call your friend in payroll, they go online and tell you, no, you're, you're paid just like every other other time. So after three hours at the bank, waiting and waiting to talk to the right people, they still cannot figure out what happened. Finally, right before the bank closes, some tech guy in a back room in Delaware figures out that there was some problem with the computer code and, and he finds your money. And you dance your way home, forgetting that you drove to the bank. You run into the house, and it's time to have a party. Well, that's not exactly how Jesus tells the parable. It's as close as we can get in today's society. Jesus was telling this, this short parable to, to demonstrate how God stands in relationship to the outcasts of the time. He wants to shock people to disturb people down to the core of their very being. He did not do this with direct confrontation. He did this with stories that would have pulled the rug out from underneath them with their common understanding of the time. Now last week, Pastor Bob started this sermon series, these parables on Luke chapter 15, where Jesus tells us all about God seeking the lost. Jesus was confronting the, the Pharisees and, and challenging them on their understanding of how God works and who God loves and who God chooses to save. But they couldn't understand. They couldn't get their heads around this Jesus going and eating with tax collectors and sinners. To them, it was like Jesus being seen in a bar and smelling like cigarette smoke. In a sense, they were, they were confused. Now, a little context here. The Pharisees were one of the major uh, parties of the, of the day in power for the Jewish people. The other group being the Sadducees. Kind of like we have Democrats and Republicans today, these groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were the two major power brokers of the day. The Pharisees were, the, were more traditional. They were conservative. They would have seen themselves as morally upright. Many of them were middle-class citizens. The Sadducees were more the aristocratic, and, and they had more of a secular upbringing and education. Also, they were more liberal in their thinking, as they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead like the Pharisees did. And so if we look at who Jesus is talking to, in Luke 15 here, the first three verses, we see that he's talking to these Pharisees. And they are the religious elite of the day. 
These are the people who would or should have known the true nature of God. Sadly, they don't. And by using parables like the lost coin or the lost sheep, we see Jesus trying to show them what God is actually like. And that God receives sinners and eats with them. And by this parable of the lost coin, we hear from Jesus that it's not like God just sits there and waits for people to come to him. Rather, it's God who goes after the lost, seeking and saving them. In this parable of the lost coin that we're focusing on today, we see, too, that it's all about Jesus and how he enters the lives of those who are lost, the outsiders of the religion, and brings them in. And so Jesus is telling these three parables, one right after another. And each one builds on the last. The first parable, the lost sheep, we see that there are 99 other sheep that are lost. So the lost element in this first parable makes up just 1%. Here in this next parable, we have the lost coin. One out of 10 were lost, accounting for 10%. Next week, we'll see the lost son, which is one out of two sons. So that's 50%. But then the week following, we actually see that there's an issue with the older son, too. And so that really makes up two out of two, or 100%. And so there's this building from 1% to 10 to 50 to 100% of people who really need saving. And so Jesus tells the Pharisees and the tax collectors and the sinners these parables. And this parable of the lost coin is often overlooked as, as, as a sort of throwaway bridge between the lost sheep and the lost son. But there's some really interesting uh, cultural nuances that we would miss if we didn't spend the time reflecting on this short three-verse parable. So the first observation to take note of here is that Jesus is including women, which was not common for the day. And he talks about women, and he talks about them having coins. And it is very likely that he's talking about the dowry that a young woman would often wear on her foreheads as a symbol of what they would bring to the table if they were to be married. I know it seems strange in our American culture that bases our marriages and our divorces on a, on a feeling of love. But for most of human history, and in nearly every culture, arranged marriages were very much the norm. And these young girls that would become brides carry with them the family savings into that marriage, as shown on these coin headpieces that they would often wear. Now this photo here uh, might be a little higher class woman than we're, we're used to here. Uh, she's got a lot more coins than, than uh, most other women. You see, most normal peasant family savings uh, would be about 10 days worth of wages. And the headpiece that they would wear might look something a little more like this. And so you can imagine how, how distraught a young woman might have felt if she lost one of these coins. First, it might communicate that she can't be trusted with money. Second, she might feel like she might not get noticed or appreciated by the man who might consider her as her future wife. What's funny is that I, I picture all these young women listening to Jesus telling this parable, 
And I picture them just reaching up and just counting their coins just to make sure they all had them. But getting back to the woman in the parable, when she loses a coin, she does what any woman would expect to do. She goes and she searches for it. And it's not just, I'm going to keep an eye out for it. Maybe it'll turn up on its own. But this woman goes on an expedition. The Bible says that she lights a lamp. She sweeps the house and she seeks diligently for it. So picture her on her hands and knees, moving furniture, looking up and down and all around in hopes of finding this one little coin that has to be somewhere. And in this parable, Jesus is talking about God who searches after us. You see, we are that last lost coin. The people out there are the lost coin. And we're lost because of sin. And unlike the sheep that could maybe, unlikely, but maybe wander back on its own, or the prodigal son who comes home after he blew it, this lost coin is powerless to be found. There is nothing this coin can do to aid in its finding, being found. And like the opening story illustrated, this woman is looking for her money with, with all the passion in the world. Worry, stress, urgency, necessity. Doing whatever it takes to find it. It is all-consuming. And the only way she can rest is by finding it. The same is true about the God who searches for us. And like the woman in the parable who lit a lamp, God lit a lamp too, by sending his son to enter our world to find us in our lostness. In John 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows after me will not walk in darkness and will have the light of life. In John 1, there's a connection that's being made between Jesus being the word and uh, made flesh and then in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path that we just sang. You see, it's all about Jesus. And he is the one being the light and being the one who finds us. The lost coin was able to be found because of the light. The lamp that was lit to illuminate the house. And in the same way, wheat coins can be found because Jesus is the light of the world. It's the light that makes all the difference in our lives and in the lives of those yet to know and believe in Jesus as their Savior. And God will not rest from his searching for those who are lost. God's love is, is too grand. God's love is too consuming. This parable demonstrates God's passionate rescue mission to redeem all that is out of alignment with his created order to save us sinners from our lost condition. But God doesn't wait for us to go sin or to wander off to start searching for us. No. His seeking and saving started way before we were even born. Way before any of us were born. As the Apostle Paul states in the book of Ephesians, he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself 
as sons through Christ Jesus according to the purpose of his will. That connects with our Old Testament reading in Deuteronomy, uh, specifically verse 6 that says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. A treasured possession, a lost coin. And in Romans 8, we're reminded that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that love of God in Christ Jesus is shown, is, is manifested in, in Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. His taking our place, receiving our punishment for sin. And in Romans 5.8 it says, But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God chooses us. He searches for us because if salvation was left up to us, we would still be lost in our sin. But thank God he took the initiative. He launched the search and he sent Christ to die for our sins, granting us forgiveness and life eternal. Now there might be some that think that a person's lostness might come from the bad decisions they make. We look at those who struggle. We look at those who are living in sin. We look at those who are making poor life choices. And we think sometimes, we even might say things like, if, if they were only to do things differently, or what do you expect after living a life like they have? Or maybe we're saying that to ourselves. Well, I guess it's the life I get since I did X, Y, and Z. Who knows? This is the same natural reaction that many of us have when we see someone who's homeless. As they stand there on the street corner, we are tempted to, to judge and to say, they just want money to go spend it on liquor or whatever. Or I wonder what wrong choice they made to end up there. But you might be surprised to hear that many people who are homeless are actually well-educated. And many have been successful in the past the choices that they made are no worse than any of the choices that we've made in this room. It's just the circumstances of life that led them to lose everything. And the point I'm trying to make here is that the coin that is lost is not lost because the coin did something wrong. Sometimes the stuff in life just causes lostness. But God is still acting in people's lives. And he is, by the power of the Spirit, going forth throughout the land, searching. He's moving in their hearts, stirring up their souls. And he's making room for the truth. God searches and searches and searches. And God will not give up until they are found. And this challenges us. It challenges us to participate with God as he searches out there. God goes and he searches because he knows that most people will not come into here. Instead, God goes out ahead of us and he invites us to be the hands and the feet and the mouths in this world of lost coins. 
this parable ends with Jesus giving an interesting perspective. He says, And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now those who are watching and and listening to Jesus might have wondered, Hey, Jesus, how do you know what it looks like in heaven when a sinner repents? The answer is simple, because he's from heaven, and that kind of rejoicing happens, happens every day. And what's interesting also is that the woman that is celebrating, finding what she, she uh, is already rightfully hers. It's not like she found more coins or suddenly came into great wealth. No, her situation is unchanged. She just found what belongs to her already. In the same way, when God searches and he finds those of us who are lost, He's finding his prized possession, what already belongs to him. He is finding his sinners, redeemed in the blood of Jesus, repentant and saved, and so he rejoices. Amen.